Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and being joined by my co-host, David Blackman, today. And we're interviewing the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge, in which there is a lot of activity occurring and you definitely want to be caught up on the America's Energy Port, better known as the Port of Corpus Christi. But before we bring on Sean Strawbridge, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which our cover is the latest Texas Railroad Commissioner, Jim Wright. We caught up with him got to hear all about his history, how he ran for office. It was a huge upset. You guys remember correctly, he actually won the nomination against Ryan Sinton, the previous Texas Railroad Commissioner. So we were able to catch up with him, talk to him a little bit about why he wanted to run for the Texas Railroad Commission. And of course, what are his plans for the next six years as he is officially a railroad. So if you want to learn more about the latest Texas Railroad Commissioner, Jim Wright, be sure to visit shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn all about Jim. There's a lot more interesting and insightful articles in the latest issue as well. Once again, that website is shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And now it's time to bring on my co-host, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. Compared to what we've been socked in this past weekend, it was terrible uh, here in San Antonio. Uh, I think the whole state was getting a little bit of it. But I want to jump in because we have some really great questions that some of our listeners are inquiring about. And uh, so I wanted to get with uh, President Biden. Um, You know, he's been in office a week and he has just made a mess, (laughs) a mess of the oil and gas industry in less than a week. So let's talk about President Biden continues to take heat from officials in New Mexico and various Indian tribes for the moratorium on the federal lease and the permitting actions, which we did talk about this, you know, these states were going to uh, really experience that elections have consequences. My question to you though, is didn't the people in New Mexico and most of the Indian tribes vote for Biden? And so now um, they're kind of just getting what they asked for, right? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, that's actually the case. Uh, New Mexico uh, gave Biden the 55 to 43 margin in the November 3rd election. And uh, yeah, most Indian tribes are heavily democratic areas. And, and uh, you know, the frightening thing about all of this is uh, really the Biden administration is just getting started. You know, mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. They, these are just shots across the bow. They, they, I mean, For example, the 60-day moratorium on federal leasing and permitting is already going to be extended now to a a full year, a week later, (laughs) you know, Um, and and he's about to declare a a national climate emergency, which will give him all sorts of executive powers to, uh, you know, do many more unprecedented uh, dramatic things to try to, you know, hurry along Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal and the trillions and trillions of dollars that will cost all of us. So, um, folks in New Mexico, I know we we bleed over into New Mexico. New Mexico, mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Y'all have a bunch of federal lands out there and, uh, and uh, you know, these are the consequences. Um, you vote, you get what you vote for, and this is what you voted for. I so, so hard to know what else to say. <laughs> except for get ready, buckle up, buttercup. What about, um, what do you think about, where do we go from here with the lease ban and the Keystone XL cancellation pipeline? You know, they just canceled this pipeline. Yeah. We're talking about federal lands in one place. We're talking about the Keystone pipeline coming out of Canada. Yeah. There's just a lot going on with this administration. What do you think we can, is this the worst that we can expect? Well, no, you're just oh, now saying um, they're yeah. going to do a climate change emergency plan, which is really going to knock everybody's socks off. They're trying to completely eliminate energy, aren't they? Well, yeah, I mean, they're going to do everything they can to hamper the oil and gas business over the next four years. I, It was interesting. Um, one of the things that came across my desk over the past few days was a list of, of the Biden political appointees. To the I Department saw that. The interior. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. it's like a who's who of uh, the anti-fossil fuels movement suddenly moving into these government offices. And um you know, so what do you think these folks are going to do? Um, they're going to do the same things in the government that they've been doing in the private sector. And and so everything they do is going to be designed to slow down. Of course, you know, Interior manages all the federal lands. So most of what they can do at Interior relates to federal lands. But you have the same thing happening at, for example, the Environmental Protection Agency. Same, same folks from the same organizations moving into there. Well, what are they going to do? I mean, and, and EPA regulations apply to, it doesn't matter what land type you're on, uh, all the regulations that we're going to see coming down from the EPA over the next four years are, are going to apply to all oil and gas operations. Now, let me bring you back to something. You and I talked a lot about where's the oil and gas industry when President Trump was, was running and, you know, they're, they're, they seem to be very quiet. They actually, if anything, were kind of coming out with positioning themselves that climate change is real. And, you know, it is to some degree real. But do, do you think that they could have ever have imagined where they are right now, how quickly, and what they realize is coming down the pike of, of uncontrollable? Um, yeah. they, have, they have this the House, the Senate. There's nothing stopping what they're getting ready to implement. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think the energy sector is? I mean, is, has it finally hit them? Because I saw a, a, a press release come out from API, and now they're complaining. But where were you prior? <laughs> After facilitating all this for four years, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, look, um, no, I don't think they really, you, you know, the hope is always that, yes, climate change is real, but the hope is always that, that governments will try to deal with things from a position of reality. I mean, look at the cancellation a, of Keystone XL. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and, it's a, and, in, a, and in a balanced way. So go right. ahead. Right, in, in a balanced way that, that deals with reality. The reality right. of canceling Keystone XL, here's the climate reality of that. Millions more barrels of crude oil coming into the United States from Canada will come in on rail and on trucks, and the emissions are going to be dramatically higher transporting that crude oil by those means than it would be in a pipeline. Also, millions of other barrels of Canadian crude oil are going to go on the Trans Mountain Pipeline over the Rocky Mountains to the Pacific Coast. And from there, they're going to be shipped to China and other Asian countries to be refined. Well, refineries in the United States have dramatically 
stricter emissions controls, as you can imagine, than any refineries do in China or any other nation, Asian country. So again, the emissions related to those millions of barrels every day of, of crude oil are gonna be dramatically higher. And as you always say, Kim, we all live on one planet. So the emissions globally is what matters, not just what we do in the United States. So Exactly. And that's yeah. and I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly the point here is that if any environmentalist listening to the show, which by the way, I like to think I'm one too because I live on the planet with you and I like clean air and fresh water. But if anyone really thinks that the United States is is not doing the very best job on the planet to make sure that there is proper oversight and regulation and it's done to the best capacity than any other place on the planet and yet we are getting ready to ship it out elsewhere we're getting ready to lose those controls meaning like you said trains uh, and other methods are going to raise the admissions in the air and where did we get ahead in any in any place we didn't and if anything what we did was now we're more vulnerable to foreign oil we're more vulnerable to foreign wars we're more vulnerable to higher taxes and paying for now our importing of energy as opposed to having it right here and this also equates to millions of jobs of loss that we're going to lose i man i really hope that the people who voted for this policy understood what they were doing to themselves with that i want to close with one last thing Tell us about Texas. So this federal ban and everything that's happening on these lands, how is that going to affect us as Texas? Uh, how are we going to absorb this here in Texas? Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to help Texas because uh, we don't have any federal lands in Texas to speak of. I mean, we have just a little tiny bit, but, uh, but you know, so all the drilling rigs that aren't going to be able to drill and all the frack crews that aren't going to be able to frack in New Mexico, most of that's just going to come into Texas in the Permian Basin and do those activities here. So Texas will, you know, our production will get higher, you know, and our state budget will be, you know, helped by that because of all the taxes and royalties coming into the state and, and into county governments as well. Uh, so from a Texas, uh, just a Texas perspective, you know, I mean, I'm sure Governor Abbott's thrilled to death. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because, good you know, for just, Texas, yeah. bad for those yeah. states that I think I read that Texas has like maybe 5% of federal lands. It's it. We're on, we, it's privately owned 90 Yeah, rest, I mean, so. we have Army and Navy bases in, in Falcon Lake. There's some drilling in Falcon Lake and, you know, that. But, uh, but otherwise, you know, we just don't have it in Texas. And, uh, you know, God bless Texas for that. Well, it sure will be interesting to see what he does on uh, maybe week two. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> oh, gas. I think we're in for uh, a really, uh, the energy sector is in for a really difficult time. But so is the consumer because this, this cost is going to be trickled back down to the consumer somewhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, we're all uh, going to be paying more for electricity and more for gasoline. And, and that's just part of it. That's right. That's right. When we return from break, we will be joined by Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. You're listening to an oil patch radio show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, 
the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Do you know what artificial intelligence can do for your operation? It's probably time to find out. With Aspen Tech Software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspen Tech's leading-edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas, chemical, and engineering companies, helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Aspen Tech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how Aspen Tech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. Learn more at www.aspentech.com forward slash AI. And now, David, let's welcome on our guest for today, Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. Sean, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Kim, good morning. Nice to see you. Very nice to see you, too, and welcome back to the show. want to jump in because there's a lot going on at the port, and I'm sure, you know, we've had a very trying 2020. We're finally through that, and so now we want to talk a little bit about, you know, the Port of Corpus Christi is known as American's Energy Port, uh, especially for 2021. So what, give us uh, some outlook on what you think you guys will be doing here in the next couple of months. What can we see from the port? Well, Kim, despite all of the economic destruction that the world saw as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, including uh, energy prices reaching, uh, crude oil prices reaching negative territory for the first time ever uh, in the earlier part of of last year, the Port of Corpus Christi saw record uh, tonnage, uh, record movements of crude oil, uh, and propane, uh, and, and certainly we saw a recovery in, in liquefied natural gas. So we we are very fortunate uh, that we saw some real economic resiliency in our gateway as we continued to see American uh, molecules reach uh, the international markets. We believe that 2021 will be similar, although I don't think we'll see the same growth trajectory we saw in 2020. Uh, we saw a lot of new pipelines coming online in 2019 and 2020 really uh, saw the resiliency from those new pipelines coming online from the Permian to Corpus Christi. I think we'll see a little bit of a a pause, a plateau in that growth trajectory. We don't anticipate though a significant retracement. So we think we're sitting in a pretty good position. It's what I call, we're seeing higher highs and higher lows uh, in our our volumes. Uh, And we've so far started January on 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 a pretty strong note. Some areas of concern for us are certainly in the gas space. Uh, propane uh, is having some challenges. Uh, recently, the Panama Canal, uh, which has been, had some congestion issues and had some water depth issues, uh, has deprioritized uh, gas vessels over container vessels. So we think that's going to be problematic. We've seen charter rates for gas ships go from $25,000 a day to over $100,000 a day. Uh, so we're a little concerned about the gas markets. Uh, but I think long term, we're still sitting in a very good position to see a continuation of American air energy exports to our allies and trading partners. 
Well, let's talk about the, the Blue Water Texas project. I know uh, the port has been a big proponent of that, that joint venture between Trafigura and Phillips 66 at offshore terminal. Give us the details of that and, and talk about the role, how it benefits the port and, and the local economy and the state economy. Yeah, it's a great question, David, and, and Happy New Year to you. It's good to see Happy you New Year. again. Um, you know, the, the Blue Water Texas Terminals project is essentially to address the persisting need to load what's called very large crude carriers or VLCCs. These are the vessels, the preferred uh, type of, uh, of vessels for moving large shipments of crude oil that will hold upwards of 2 million barrels of crude on, on one vessel. And when they're fully loaded, or what we say fully laden, uh, with WTI specifications, they will draw about 65 feet of water. And so when you have what's called an, a need for an underkill clearance, we have we need to have about 10 feet of underkill clearance, uh, yeah. a one degree pitch on a vessel that size, which is roughly 1200 feet long and, and 209 to 240 feet in, at the beam or in width, a one degree pitch of a vessel that size that's fully laden is nine feet. So we're gonna need another 10 feet of underkill clearance for a vessel that size. That means we'll need 75 feet of water. Today, the Corpus Christi Ship Channel, which is currently being improved to 54 feet, will still not be sufficient to fully load those vessels. So what the Blue Water Texas Terminals uh, facility is designed is to take into account the, the bringing the depth, you know, bringing the terminal to the depth instead of dredging and bringing the depth to the terminal in, in what's called safe harbor or onshore terminals, which is the preferred way, this is a, a faster way to be able to load, fully load those, those VLCCs. In the absence of a facility like this, what happens is the VLCCs come into the Port of Corpus Christi, they load about half of what the, their capacity is or a million barrels, and then they have to shuttle the other million barrels out and transfer from smaller vessels to the VLCC and open water. That creates more cost that creates more uh, vessel traffic and certainly more emissions. So having a facility where you can fully load a VLCC with one stop has an environmental benefit, certainly an economic benefit, and, and certainly from a productivity standpoint is, is much more efficient. Sean, a couple of years back, the port was in opposition of an, another company, Trafigera, that was trying to pitch a similar project and the port was not supportive of it a lot of uh, companies uh, and organizations teak being one of them was not supportive of it. the factors that are different now can can we get into that yeah no it's a it's a great question kim so trafigura which is now which is now a partner phillips, right okay is now a partner with phillips 66 and the blue water texas terminals project along with the port of corpus christi uh originally had uh announced a project of their own uh, that was further south than the Port of Corpus Christi on private property. Uh, their routing was going across one of the last pristine, untouched coastlines in the entire country, the National Seashore. Uh, and it was located 13 miles offshore, uh, southeast of, of Corpus Christi in the South Texas coastal bend here. Uh, our concerns were multiple. One, Trafficker is not a operating company. They're a commodities trading company, the, one of the largest crude uh, traders in the world based in Switzerland, uh, but not a lot of experience in terms of operations. So we had some concerns about 
uh, their 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 lack of experience there. It wasn't just that they weren't an operator. There also were a few other little issues that they really didn't have the expertise necessary to really give a reassurance that they were going to. They were a company that kind of knew what they were doing and had this experience in the past, but then also they had had other problems worldwide because it's a worldwide company. When we take a break, I want to get back on the topic. We do have to take a quick break. You're listening to in the World Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bellato, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim with In the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. Sean, before the break, you were explaining to us a couple of years back, the port had expressed some concerns from a different offshore terminal being proposed by a company named Trafigera. Before the break, we talked a little bit about Trafigera. I want to get back on that topic. Please keep explaining what the differences were between back then and now. Well, really, uh, there was there was there was three distinct concerns that we had. We didn't like the location uh, of the Trafigura proposed project. We didn't like the fact that Trafigura had no experience in operating a buoy such as this. And we didn't like the fact that there was not going to be any governmental oversight from the Port Authority. Uh, the port was not involved. Uh, it was in a different county. They were moving molecules uh, down past the Port Authority. And it seemed like a circumvention of some oversight. Uh, but we also see that uh, there was uh, Trafficker is a customer of the port today and a good customer of the Port of Corpus Christi. Port authorities are governmental entities that do provide a modicum and a measure of oversight to industry. Uh, yeah. And what, what, while we're not a regulatory body, we certainly work with all the regulators. Our concern uh, on that location was it was going to negatively affect our airshed because it was too close mm-hmm. uh, to our airshed. Uh, and so the, the profile now of the project with Phillips 66, which is a experienced operator with mm-hmm. an offshore buoy, they've operated one of these facilities in the United Kingdom since the early 1970s, uh, is a much better uh, uh, formula for success in our, in our opinion. The location of the Blue Water Texas terminals, it's further north and further out at sea. So it does not affect our airshed because there will be some volatile organic compounds that will be vented into the atmosphere as they are today already with that reverse lightering that I talked about a little earlier in the show. Um, but there won't be as much because of the way the vapor capture technology will be installed in the in the Blue Water Texas Terminals facility. So, the, and the fact that the Port Authority is involved and now we have a measure of oversight and can continue to push our, our ESG agenda uh, along with Phillips 66 to hold companies accountable 
uh, and make sure that we're going above and beyond what's required by uh, just regulation. That's not stewardship. You know, stewardship is going above and beyond uh, the regulations. Uh, that's really why we think this is a much better profile for success with Blue Water Texas Terminal Project. Can you quickly tell us about the, you said the airshed, the way and the positioning of this project, the new project you guys are proposing is three different partners, right? The Port, Traffic Era, and Phillip 66. Uh, what is the benefit to the environment and to the people living in Corpus Christi that they don't need to worry about this project prior to the yeah. previous one? Well, certainly the environmental benefit is now you don't have to shuttle those uh, those smaller vessels out to load those VLCCs. Vessels do emit, uh, like an automobile, the vessel runs off of a, uh, a power plant that uses uh, diesel uh, in a certain uh, range to the, uh, to the U.S. coast, and then what's called a bunker fuel, or it's a heavy fuel oil, uh, which is uh, 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 certainly has a higher carbon uh, emissions and a higher carbon footprint. So reducing that carbon footprint by less traffic uh, certainly has a, a value there. Um, the fact that there is going to be, they've committed to some additional vapor capture technologies that uh, previously with the, the other project were not committed to. Uh, we think that's a good thing. And then from an economic standpoint, the fact that the Port Authority is involved, uh, we're going to invest some capital in it, and it's going to be the, the control center and the pipeline interconnects are going to be on port property. Uh, that yields some additional tax revenues for the local governments here, the, the county and the, and, the, and the municipality that it operates in, in this case, uh, the city of Port Aransas and the Port Authority. Uh, with some additional revenues for us that then we can turn around and invest in our community. So there's a real environmental benefit and there's certainly an economic benefit of having the port involved. And the location does not threaten our current airshed. Our airshed is still in attainment. If we were to fall out of attainment, uh, it would cost industry upwards of $2 billion per year of additional operating costs uh, to meet the, the more stringent regulatory requirements in a non-attainment airshed. So we're going to protect our airshed vehemently. And this particular facility location, the siting of this facility, uh, does not affect our airship. Well, it sounds like a smart plan to me because it seems like you guys have looked at every single aspect of it. When we get back from break, uh, we're going to get on a new topic, which will be covering a little bit about the deepening project that has been going on in Port Corpus Christi for the last couple of years. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com.
And we're back. You're listening to And the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Sean Strawbridge, CEO of the Porta Corpus Christi. David, I know you have a question pertaining to the deepening uh, and widening project going on in Corpus Christi. Go ahead. Yeah, Sean, we, we haven't had you on in a while. We haven't, haven't uh, been able to talk about that you know, crucial project for the port here in, in several months. And I, I just would like to give you a chance to talk about the status of where that port stands. We're going into a new presidential administration. And so, you know, you, you, you have a new set of public officials coming in to deal with on keeping it properly funded uh, for, for the remainder of the project. So I want to give you a chance to talk about where that stands. No, thank you, David. I appreciate that. Uh, the Corpus Christi Ship Channel Improvement Project continues. That's great news. Uh, in fact, the project was uh, uh, appropriated another $100 million in the recent uh, omnibus package that was passed in December by Congress and signed by President Trump, uh, and that continues to, to fund the project. Uh, we're in the second phase of a four-phase project, and that is to uh, deepen and widen the channel from Harbor Island, uh, which is near the entrance to the ship channel in the Gulf of Mexico, which has already been improved. Uh, all the way to two miles past the La Quinta Junction, which is past Ingleside. Uh, We're excited about that particular phase of the project because the Army Corps of Engineers, which has project control uh, and oversight, assures us that the contractor that's been selected for phase two of this project will have Ingleside completed by December of this year, 2021, which will mean that companies like Buckeye South Texas Gateways Facility uh, Flint Hills facility and Moda Midstream, our largest crude export facility on the entire U.S. Gulf, will all enjoy 54 feet of water, which will allow them to fully load Suez Max vessels and will allow them to actually load an additional two to 400,000 barrels on VLCCs, which then reduces uh, the amount of shuttling that has to go on to fully load those VLCCs offshore. So we're excited about the nod by the federal government to continue to fund this project, but I, we've got two more phases to go. Uh, and once these projects are funded and appropriated, uh, appropriation starts to happen by Congress, uh, the pro appropriations will continue until the project is complete. Uh, but the question is gonna be how much appropriations will happen and what will the cadence of those appropriations be? Because in the absence of earmarks, which Congress uh, uh, in installed a, a self-imposed abolition on earmarks. There's not any legal uh, restrictions for earmarks, but the Republican caucus back in the earlier part of the last decade yeah. uh, uh, put a self-imposed ban on earmarks. Earmarks is really what has funded infrastructure in this country. So there's been some discussion about bringing back earmarks on a limited basis for infrastructure. Uh, in the absence of earmarks, the Corps of Engineers will only perform the amount of work that it's been appropriated for. Uh, and that's why it's important that we continue with the large appropriations. We're going to need probably another $100 million, uh, if not more than that, from the federal government to finish the project. The Port of Corpus Christi also has a cost share responsibility. Mm -hmm. To date, we've spent about $137 million of our money. Uh, we've got probably another... $60 million or so of responsible cost share. The good news is we have our, our money in the bank uh, and we're certainly ready to go to deploy it for those final two phases that will then make the Corpus Christi ship channel the most improved, the deepest and the widest uh, in the entire U.S. Gulf. 
Sean, the Harbor Bridge, uh, let's set that up too, because that also is a project that will impact the economy as well as the Port of Corpus Christi. Is it on schedule? Can you give us an update on that? Well, unfortunately, the bad news is the Harbor Bridge project is not on schedule. It is uh, seriously delayed. Uh, it was supposed to be completed in December of 2020, the new bridge, and then they begin demolition of the existing Harbor Bridge. We are nowhere near completion there, a project, uh, and likely it will cost uh, some, there'll be some additional costs associated with that project. The good news is it's not going to impact our, uh, uh, our ability to export it's not going to impact vessel traffic. So the, the concern we have is just if there is going to be cost overruns, who's going to pay for that? Because the port has put about $85 million of its money into that project. Uh, but uh, the good news is we're not going to be significantly delayed, but that project is certainly seriously delayed. Well, it's no secret, David's from Beeville, and uh, I have a home over there too, so I consider myself a Corpus Christian as well. And uh, it is a problem when that bridge is, is uh, got traffic issues on it as well. Can you ex- actually explain how important the bridge is for completion for the ships to go through there? So when you talk about draft restrictions, typically in a, in a port, we're thinking about under keel or water draft restrictions. But you also can have air draft restrictions as well. And the current bridge... Uh, the air draft, uh, when we're at high tide uh, here in Corpus Christi, the air draft, uh, that is the amount of clearance underneath the current Harbor Bridge is 138 feet. Uh, that can be extremely tight. The Panama Canal air draft for those three bridges is 205 feet. So when you look at bridges that are being built in and around waterways, they're now being built around the world to 205 feet to match that clearance of the, the Panama Canal and vessels are built to be able to navigate that 205 feet of clearance. So the new bridge, the new Harbor Bridge will also have 205 feet of, of clearance at high tide. And that's why it's important to be able to have that bridge so we can have those larger classifications of ships uh, coming underneath those bridges without uh, any restrictions. And you know, anyone who has seen the, the Corpus Christi skyline, especially at night, it's beautiful with the original Harbor Bridge the, the old bridge, but to look and see the model of the new bridge, it's just going to put a totally different feel on Corpus Christi as well. So I'm, I'm happy yeah, to see really that. Complete. It's going to be a beautiful sight. We're going to get ready for break, guys. When we come back, we'll be covering a little bit more about Buckeye and some announcements there too. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, 
or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. If you'd like more information, go to womensenergynetwork.org slash South Texas or call 855-390-0650. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Program. I'm David Blackman with my co-host Kim Bellotto and our special guest today, CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge. Uh, Sean, you mentioned this briefly in the last segment, uh, Buckeye Partners uh, at Ingleside across the bay from, from the port itself uh, announced recently it's begun export operations at a, at a second deepwater dock there. And, and I you know, I, I, I know uh, it's not formally a part of the port, but all that traffic from, from that dock and, and other satellite kind of uh, facilities and terminals there in the bay. I wonder how that interacts with your traffic coming in and out of the bay and the kind of coordination exercise you have to go through with those satellite facilities like that. Well, uh, David, it is actually part of the port. Oh, it is, port. okay. It is. So what, what's, what's unique about the Port of Corpus Christi is while you may be a private uplands landowner, once you've reached the water, then it becomes the property of the Port of Corpus Christi. Ah, okay, I didn't so know that. all the docks that are built uh, in Ingleside, uh, in the Inner Harbor, on the La Quinta Channel, all those docks are actually on port property. So we have definitive agreements with all of the customers, companies like Chenier and Oxychem right. and Kiwit and certainly Moda and Buckeye at South Texas Gateway. So it is considered part of the Port of Corpus Christi. We're responsible for 36 miles of ship channel here including the, the, the waterway right there in front of the, the South Texas Gateway facility that Buckeye opened in 2020. Uh, and I really want to commend Buckeye that even in, in the face of a pandemic, they had already been past final investment decision and were well on their way to building that facility when the pandemic hit. Uh, and they didn't lose any momentum. They opened their first dock uh, in the earlier part of 2020, and they opened their second dock in December. Now, that means that now there are three VLCC docks uh, available in Corpus Christi. Uh, Moda is now working on a second VLCC dock. They have one today. Uh, So we will have more VLCC dock capacity than any other port in the nation, which is why we're the largest export gateway for U.S. produced crude oil uh, in the nation. It's really about building that infrastructure to be able to competitively export our our molecules. Uh, Buckeye's uh, South Texas Gateway Venture is a a joint venture with Marathon Petroleum and Phillips 66. What right now we've got more capacity than we've got demand, Uh, but we think as China continues to grow its uh, purchases of American energy as part of the trade agreement with the Trump administration, uh, we just see continued growth 
uh, in, in crude oil exports from the United States. Let's switch gears a little bit. I want to touch on, before we, uh, this is our last, last segment, I want to touch on Magellan Midstream because they experienced an explosion uh, at their facility. And, it, of course, there were people injured. Um, tell our audience a little bit about the extensive preparation work and the response efforts from your team uh, to engage in such an incident like this. And um, I know you guys are getting some bad PR on it, but Magellan isn't on port property, correct? So was this explosion basically a Magellan uh, midstream problem versus a port problem? It was how the port responded really made the difference. Yeah, so that particular incident, which was certainly unfortunate, uh, was on Magellan's property, uh, not Port property. But Magellan is a good customer of the Port of Corpus Christi. Uh, you know, I know their CEO very well. Uh, and, and I don't mean to, whole- and I don't mean to be disrespectful to Magellan anyway. It's just that there's a lot of discussion in the area that the port was responsible for it, and, and that's not actually accurate. So I really wanted to specify on Magellan property. Yeah, so we're not an operator. Uh, it's our customers, it's private industry that are operators. We're really an enterprise fund and economic development agency that owns land and brings public funds to invest in infrastructure that then private industry can utilize uh, in a in a uh, exclusive or a preferred use manner. Um, we are a good member in good standing with the Refinery Terminal Fire Company, which is a co-op uh, based on industrial members and the Port of Corpus Christi to uh, fight hydrocarbon fires uh, with firefighters that are dedicated to that mandate. Uh, we bring investment capital uh, to the table for first response capability, and we work very closely with all of our federal, state, and local first responder agency partners. Uh, in that particular case, we were one of the responding agencies, uh, along with the Corpus Christi Fire Department uh, and um, uh, uh, TEDM and, and others uh, who, who will typically respond to these types of events. But in terms of the operations itself, the port doesn't engage in operations. That's gonna be our customers. Uh, And our customers in the oil and gas industry, safety is their number one priority. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, without exception, number one priority. And when you look at the safety records of oil and gas companies, they are some of the best safety records of any companies in any industry. But let's face it, the oil and gas industry is a dangerous business. Uh, And whenever there is, uh, there are humans involved, there are, uh, there is that propensity for human error. And, and that's why it's always important that we learn from these types of incidents to see how they can be prevented in the future. Um, at, at the end of the day, Magellan's safety record is stellar. Uh, their culture is all about safety. Uh, and I think it was just an unfortunate incident that happened, as was the earlier incident uh, where we had a pipeline rupture and a subsequent uh, barge, uh, a, a dredger, excuse me, that was uh, nearby that exploded and caused serious loss of life and injury. Um, here again, another uh, unfortunate incident uh, in a myriad of incidents that we had to deal with in 2020, including the most active hurricane season and, and oh, a pandemic yeah. and other things. But preparedness is really what our focus is. It's one of our core values is preparedness. Uh, and we focus heavily on our preparedness for anything that's going to come our way, whether it's a man-made or natural disaster, whether it's economic destruction or whether it's opportunity for economic growth and investment. Our focus and our culture is about being prepared for whatever comes. And Sean, I just want to close because we we really do try to set the record straight and uh, explain a little bit more about what the real job is of the port in servicing as being, what is it, America's energy port uh, for 2021. But you also have a background coming prior, previous to the Port of Corpus Christi from a very environmentally cautious state in which you ran the port. 
uh, in Long uh, Beach. Tell us a little bit about just that quickly, some of the things that you were able to get through that you're looking to maybe potentially bring to the port. Well, look, uh, ESG is going to be a major focus for any corporation in the United States and certainly under a Biden administration and his newly appointed environmental czar, Gina McCarthy. Uh, we're going to see some additional initiatives to decarbonize uh, for atmospheric decarbonization. And the Port of Corpus Christi is absolutely committed to that. Um, you know, I was in California. I'm a, I'm a Californian by birth, but I'm a Texan by choice. Uh, but while I was at the Port Good of choice. Long Beach, we had some significant uh, initiatives to uh, reduce emissions related to port operations, both on the on the truck side and the vessel side. Uh, we are emulating a lot of those initiatives here in Corpus Christi. One such initiative is we just completed our third year of 100% power gen, renewable power gen. All 100% of the energy purchase uh, for the Port of Corpus Christi Authority is renewable energy, taking full advantage of the fact that Texas is the largest uh, uh, wind energy uh, producer in the entire state, more than the next five states combined, including California. So we're very excited about our ESG leadership initiatives, uh, but we're going to do more. And I know Ms. McCarthy, uh, she is tenacious. Uh, she is going to have an ambitious agenda. Uh, we've extended an invitation for her to come to Texas and see that here, here in Texas, even though we're an oil and gas state, we do take our ecosystem and our, our environmental stewardship Fairs. extremely seriously. Mm -hmm. And we've got a great track record of success as a result of that. Well, Sean, with that, that's all the time we have. Thank you for catching us up to speed on what the port is working on. You guys are moving at light speed, and that comes back to great leadership. Thank you again for joining us on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Sean. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.